You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox bringing you uh, your daily dose of TCU news and notes. It is Friday, January 15th. Appreciate you rolling with me. I wanted to cover some ground in today's pod, and we'll actually start with some baseball talk as we start to hurdle towards the uh, the season. And um, there was a report from Kendall Rogers a few weeks ago that the Big 12 coaches had approved a measure that would uh, – put the schedule in place and that they would have a 32 game conference schedule this year instead of the usual 24. So instead of playing three game series against uh, every conference opponent, each team would play a four game series against every conference opponent. And I'm not exactly sure logistically how that would work out if they would play Thursday through Sunday or if they would play uh, Friday, and then maybe have a doubleheader Saturday and another game on Sunday. Um, I, I don't really know why they're expanding the schedule unless they feel like they're not going to be able to get enough non-conference games played because I, I don't think Big 12 teams and just college baseball teams in general want to travel much this season if they don't have to. So if it's not a conference game uh, – I don't see, you know, teams getting out and going to play weekend series all across the country in non-conference play. So maybe it just cuts down your scheduling because is TCU only going to play UTA and DBU, Sam Houston, those types of schools instead of going and playing Kentucky or whoever it might be. So, we'll see how that shakes out and how that holds. I'm intrigued by the idea of a 32-game conference schedule. And this is a deep league, and there's high expectations for TCU. I shared with you uh, earlier this week that there is a, a, a site, College Baseball Nation, that has put out a preseason poll. They have put out their top 50, and they have TCU at number 9. So, just right there towards the end of the top 10. And the guys that run College Baseball Nation were on the 1012 podcast, which is a podcast hosted by Philip Slavin. And he does a really good job covering the conference. He also has an amazing name for a podcast in the 1012 podcast. Uh, I love that name. It's super creative. It's super funny to me. But he had the College Baseball Nation guys on, and he asked them about uh, you know this conference they put together a top 50 preseason poll, and eight of the nine Big 12 teams were in the top 50. The only team that did not make the cut in the top 50 was Kansas. And when he asked them about the depth of this league, he brought up TCU specifically as one of the reasons why this league is so deep. Yeah, I think one thing that really helps the Big 12 out is that in recent years, um, last year basically, some of the, the teams that were lacking a little bit were teams that you expect to be pretty good. So like TCU and Texas were a little bit down last year. And you know that those two schools aren't going to stay down for very long. Both do a really good job with recruiting. And, and Schlossnagel does a really good job with player development. 
And so one thing that gave the Big 12 a huge boost right there is that we think Texas and TCU are going to be back in the top 25, back competing to host regionals and super regionals. And then when you look down the rest of the, the conference, a, a lot of players are coming back. It's true, a lot of places. But um, a lot of those schools that were, were doing really well, like for instance, a team like West Virginia hosted a regional in 2019. I don't think they're quite that good this year, but they still have some of those guys left behind. And that program is definitely trending generally in the right direction. So it's, it, I think it's safe to say that these rankings were the hardest rankings we've ever done because first we went from 25 to 50, but also there's so many guys coming back, so many freshmen coming in that would have gone to the MLB draft in a normal year and so little data on summer ball and on 2020 season. So right now we have high expectations for the big 12, but really I think it's gonna take a few few weeks in the season before we get a really good feel on who's the top competitors. Again, that's the college baseball nation guys on the 1012 podcast. So he says one of the reasons that he feels like the league is gonna be deeper than it normally has been is he he believes TCU is back. TCU and Texas, two teams that traditionally have uh, competed for hosting regionals, have competed in Omaha, um, have been in the mix as far as some of the best teams in the nation. Haven't been the same the last few years. And, yeah, he's right. I mean, TCU the last two seasons, um, they, they haven't been the same program they were getting to Omaha year in and year out. And last year it looked like they were off to a good start. And then the pandemic happened. But he also brings up a good point in that we don't really know. Like, this is going to be a very unpredictable season because we just do not know what to expect from anybody. Uh, fall ball was all inter squad scrimmages. Um, you know, summer ball, where guys go and play in, in collegiate summer leagues, those didn't happen. So a lot of these players haven't played competitive baseball other than against their own teams against each other since March. I mean, it's almost been a calendar year. It is a long layoff. And for a couple months, I mean, they weren't doing anything because everybody got sent home. You know, guys weren't on campus and if they didn't have access to facilities, they didn't have access to resources, then most likely they weren't hitting the ball. So it's going to be a very fascinating season. Now, I think getting fall ball in probably helped work out a lot of the rust that these players were going through. But it's going to be pretty amazing to see how this plays out. Big 12 baseball, I'm stoked about it. TCU looking to have a big, a big year. Coming up next, let's talk some basketball. Let's break down uh, the weekend coming up for TCM and women's basketball. Before we do that, though, let's talk about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. NFL playoff games coming up tomorrow and Sunday. Make sure you know what the lines are. Make sure you know how to bet, what's going on, um, who's in, who's out, who's injured. One of the great things about betonline.ag is that it's a you know it's a sportsbook, but it's also um, a place where you get sports news. So you can sort of peruse and see what's going on. Um, and you can do all that on betonline.ag. If you're wondering or worried, like I don't really want to wager any money. I don't have just money lying around that I can spend. 
Go to betonline.ag, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get a 50% off welcome bonus. Again, that's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Back on Locked on Horn Frogs, segment two. Appreciate you rolling with me today, and let's talk some TCU basketball. We'll start with the men, and the TCU men will not be in action on Saturday. They're supposed to play West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia has COVID issues, so that game's not going to happen. But they will play on Wednesday against uh, Texas Tech. And, I mean, to me, this is a uh, a gut check game for, for TCU. And I'm not asking them to pull out a huge victory against a very good Texas Tech team. Tech is coming off a big win over Texas on Wednesday night. Mac McClung, the uh, transfer from Georgetown, hit a three with a couple seconds left to give the Red Raiders the victory. And Tech's going to play Baylor on Saturday in what should be a great game. So this is a Tech team that's going to be coming in um, either after a, you know, a disappointing loss or a really big win against one of the better teams in the country. And, again, I'm not asking TCU to win on, on Wednesday, and, and we'll have time to break that game down and kind of preview it. But you got to at least be competitive. Um, you've been blown out in two straight games and just absolutely embarrassed. And if you roll into Tech, um, this Tech game, and get embarrassed again after an eight-day layoff, and as far as we know, this team's healthy. So they're going to get eight days to prepare for this one. That's very atypical in basketball. Should have a chance to watch some film. Should have a chance to... You know, make some adjustments, figure some things out, and hopefully have a chance to just recalibrate their minds. I mean, the effort was not there against Oklahoma, and that is something that's really rare to say for a Jamie Dixon team. It's uh, it's something that just shouldn't happen because, like, effort is one of those things that doesn't take any talent to do it. And this team's undermanned. Um, they don't have you know, just guy after guy who can score. They got a couple legit scores in the backcourt in RJ Nimhard and Mike Miles. They got a center in Kevin Samuel who, God bless him, they just can't give him the, the basketball and give him opportunities to make plays. And that's really it. I mean, Chuck O'Bannon Jr. has shown some flashes. I think Francisco Farabello, if he could stay healthy, would be a much bigger contributor to this team. But he just has been sort of banged up and been in and out of the lineup all year long. So if they're going to make something to the season, then they need to win that tech game. Um, but just in general, they need to be competitive in that tech game and have a good showing and sort of get back to what TC Horn for our basketball has been under Jamie Dixon, which at least, you know, has, has been a team that is hard nosed and makes you work and makes you earn everything you get. That, that's the one thing I've been able to say about the Jamie Dixon era so far that I wasn't able to say after that OU game. Pretty much the whole time he's been there, they've grinded and worked hard and given their best effort. And their best effort was not there on display against Oklahoma. They made a little bit of a push in the first half, cut it to a four-point game, and then OU made a run. And they just laid down in Norman. I mean, after that, they did not let um, anything get going. 
They just stopped. And that can't happen. So we'll see how this week goes. But no game this weekend against West Virginia. Might be a blessing in disguise. A chance to sort of reset, get their minds right, make sure their effort's there when they take on Texas Tech. And the women are 0-5 in conference play. They're struggling mightily. But they have their best chance to win in a while coming up on uh, Sunday afternoon. And that game's going to be against Kansas. The Kansas women have been dealing with COVID issues. And uh, they've only played two conference games. They are one and one in conference play. And I'm not really sure how women's basketball is going to work because, um, I mean, just to be really honest, like there are a lot of teams that, that haven't played much. Kansas State is another team. The Lady Frogs were supposed to play Kansas State on Thursday night, and that game got postponed. And K-State's had to postpone like five or six conference games because of COVID already. So I'm not sure how they're making it up. The The Kansas women's basketball team has struggled to get games in as well. They've only played eight games on the season. And they get ready to take on TCU in a matchup Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. The offense for the Frogs has really struggled lately. they got to find a way to help out Lauren Hurd. I mean, I, I, I just think that's the biggest issue with this team is Lauren is the only scorer. She's the only one that seems to be available to put up big points. Caroline Germain has just not shown the ability to get to the rim and, and create her own shot. Yummy Morris and, and Tavi Diggs have shown some flashes. But somebody's going to have to step up and run with uh, Lauren, and that starts on Sunday afternoon against Kansas. Um they just got swept by Oklahoma State. Uh, they had to play two games back-to-back against the Cowgirls and lost both of them. Um, had a tough loss against Texas Tech. Lost to Iowa State. Lost to Baylor. The schedule is finally starting to ease up for TCU women's basketball. And I know they're also hopeful that they're getting healthier. But the uh, the change in the season has to start Sunday afternoon against Kansas team that hasn't been able to play many games so far because of COVID-19, get a victory, try to start getting back on the right track, and then just see where the rest of the year goes. I mean, you've already put yourself in a pretty deep hole as far as you know making the tournament and moving forward in the postseason, but at least if you can get a win on Sunday and kind of stop that downward momentum – then maybe you have a chance to reset, recalibrate, and get going as you go down the stretch run. But that's uh, TCU men's and women's basketball this weekend. One more segment coming up. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Final segment on Locked On Horn Frogs. Steven Simcox here with you. And I want to tackle sort of a an interesting topic. And it, it came to me from uh, from a friend of mine. They asked me about it, and I was like, that's actually probably a good topic for the podcast. Um, and I'd love to get your feedback on it if you want to hit me up on my social channels. The show is at LockedOnTCU, and uh, my account is at SimcoxSteven. So you can find me there. You can find me at LockedOnTCU. Don't forget, also, you can subscribe to the show uh, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, wherever it is you get, you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to the show. You can also... Give me a review on Apple, and that's one 
cool way to try to help me grow the show because if somebody finds me on Apple Podcasts and is like, what is this about? I don't really know if this guy's any good. Uh, if you tell them that I'm good, then maybe they'll stick around and listen. So that's another way that you can uh, help me out, give me a review, rate me on Apple Podcast, and I'd appreciate you doing so. But Locked on Horn Frogs, want to tackle kind of one more thing here, and, and we've sort of run the gamut. We talked baseball in the first segment, men's and women's basketball in segment two, and I want to close with a football subject. Someone asked me today, they, uh, they're a friend of mine, they're also a TCU fan, and they said, who is the most important player coming back next season for TCU football? And I thought it was an interesting question. And I, I immediately went to the offensive side of the ball because I felt like that was, you know, the thing that was holding them back at times last year. Um, defensively, th- there's a number of guys I think you could you could go to. Maybe it's Josh Foster who's going to be replacing, you know, our Darius Washington uh, and Trayvon Berg in the secondary. Maybe you think of Noah Daniels coming back from that ACL injury. Can he step up and be a true number one corner? Or D Winters, is he going to emerge as – that that big physical um, inside linebacker that Garrett Wallow had been for the last few years. But I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction. And I think the most important player for TCU coming back next season, and uh, Parker from Purple Theory will probably disagree with me strongly because of the position that he plays. But I really – I believe after thinking – Long and hard. The easy answer is Max Duggan. But I'm actually going to say someone different. I believe it's Zach Evans. And here's why I say that. It is pretty rare for this program, even as much success as they've had over the past 20-plus years under Gary Patterson, they are still, for the most part, sort of a middle-of-the-road team when it comes to recruiting. Now... They uh, they have consistently finished third or fourth in the Big 12 the last few years, with the exception of this past season where they finished ninth. And they'll tell you that's just because it's a small class. I have some more questions about it. But anyway, uh, that's, you know, not really the, the conversation we're having here. But for the most part, this has been a, a, a team that has had success and has built – their success off of evaluating well and developing really well. The the guys that have been drafted in the NFL draft, they've been sort of mid-tier three-star players that TCU has hit on and then developed into really great players. Zach Evans is a legit five-star talent. And late in the season, you saw... His physicality, he's a guy that can get through the line, get tough yards, get those tough four- and five-yard runs when it doesn't look like there's much there. He'll run you over. He's really hard to tackle. And also that speed, that breakaway speed. He is a different kind of dude. And he's one of the guys that I look at on this roster, along with probably Quentin Johnston on offense. That no matter who you're playing, I think Zach could take over a game. I feel like he could run through for 150, 200 yards on a team, 
and you could win the game just because, like, wow, Zach played out of his mind. So his development and his potential are going to be crucial because when you have that kind of talent, you have to use it well. And I think if they're able to use Zach Evans well as sort of the basis of their offense, that no matter who their quarterback is, you're going to have an opportunity to score a lot of points. This team has has had some sort of generational talents, or at least just guys that were going to play in the league that they haven't used well. Jalen Rager is, is the ultimate example. And I think, you know, J.D. Spielman's going to be a fun player to watch this year. But to me, if you're just looking at which guy on this roster can sort of single-handedly put the team on his back and take a game over, it's Zach Evans. And his development over the next year or so is going to be crucial to this team's success. I think the defense is going to be solid. There might be some rough patches early in the season, figuring out the back end of that defense and the secondary. But I I believe by the end of the year, this defense is going to be really, really good. And if you can put together some more explosive plays on offense, then you're talking about a team with a really high ceiling. And Zach Evans is one of those players that can touch the ball and go 70 yards or go 65 yards, just take it to the house whenever he gets the ball in his hands. So he's the key to me. I think he's the most important player returning next season. I hope you have a good weekend. Hopefully we're talking about a women's basketball win on Monday. And uh, we'll get you ready for the men's big matchup with with Texas Tech, excuse me, coming up on Wednesday. And that'll all start Monday. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.